0: So I realized I need to get help and I went to this conference and I think that was the bigger eye opener for me because I could see, oh wow, there are people in this room that are running very successful businesses and those businesses aren't necessarily running them. You know, Mm -hmm. they're making money, they're spending time with their family, some of their kids are coming, they're bringing nannies with them to these conferences and I'm going, whoa, this is not what my life looks like right now.
1: Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Stacey. It's fantastic to have you joining me here today. Yeah, I am really excited to do this. This
0: is going to be really fun.
1: Yeah, like I said to you before we started recording, there's not many people that I get to chat to that have started their business very early that have opened a dance studio and gone into different projects just like I have. So I'm super looking forward to deep diving with you and hearing your story. But before we start, I'd love you to share a little bit about what you do now and the types of clients that you work with? Yeah, definitely. So I am, I've am i got a couple different clients,
0: um, but I am running what I call the foot traffic formula. So I have the, this expert online business. So people here dance together, they're like, wait, who do you teach or what do you uh-huh. do? <laughs> I have a few people. So I have the person who looks at me and it has a brick and mortar and says, how did you grow that? Uh-huh. Or they say, I've grown it, but I need to get out of it. So I can teach me how to get out of this business with still owning it. And then somebody who's like, I like what you're doing, in this expert space. How can you teach me how to go from brick and mortar owner to expert space? And then naturally I still will have people who've never had anything with the brick and mortar world, but they like what I'm doing virtually and they have questions about that. So I've got a few people, but my biggest thing is, is scaling. I'm a mom and a lot of people are asking me questions about how are you doing this with kids? How are you keeping that balance? Like, what does that look like? And that's the majority of my people that that really want to know more
1: from me. Absolutely. So let's go back to the start of your business because you work with expert-based businesses now. You started off in dance studios and you still have both, which I think is super cool. But take us back to when you were 18 years old, how you got started in business and how that eventuated. Yeah, so I
0: think my perspective, personality has always been one to want to be in charge. I've always been a little bossy and I'm sure (laughs) I resonate with that. So I was always the captain and always the person leading. And out of high school, I was going to school, going to university, but knew that I wasn't going to be a professional dancer, but still wanted to continue. So I thought, I'm just going to create a group of middle schoolers and see if they want to go to competitions and compete, I'll post flyers. And I did that and it was a free program. They didn't pay me, they just paid for competitions. And I had 17 kids that summer come to my parents' backyard for free. And within three years, no marketing because this was not a business, we had 100 kids coming to my parents' backyard. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So fortunately, the biggest thing that I'm so grateful for now that I didn't realize back then, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So my grandfather started a construction business. He's had it since before I was born. He's now since passed, but our family still runs it. And growing up, both my parents worked in the business, my uncle. So I think because they were so entrepreneurial minded, They even said, why don't you try turning this this into a business? Like, what Mm -hmm. if people would pay you? And, you know, if I didn't have them saying that, would I have thought of that on my own? I really don't know. I'm really fortunate that somebody suggested it in my family. And that year, three years into doing the free backyard thing, I started charging and rented my own space and opened up. And um, that backyard story is now 17 years old. And we have two locations. I own both the commercial buildings. We have about 45 employees. We're grossing over a million dollars a year, have been several years in a row, and I don't work in the business. And that's the part that people, their minds are blown because they just assume I must be working all day,
1: all night, but I do not work in the building at all. That's so cool. So when did that transition come for you not working in the dance studio? And what were the things that, I guess, that made you realize that it was possible? Because I think There's a lot of people, and this isn't just dance studio owners, this is anyone that's got some sort of expertise, they open the business because they're good at what they do and they get caught in the doing. Yes. I always say people get caught up in the technician
0: part because we all start as a technician. We're always, no matter what you're doing, you start a plumbing business, you start a coaching business, you are starting it as the doer, like you said. So I think I started to, I, I guess my first path was I received a postcard in the mail, that was basically convincing me to go to a, a, a live or like I should say a conference, a business conference. First one I had ever attended was really scary. I live here in Wisconsin. It was in New York City. So this is an airplane ride. This is like $1,000 getting a hotel. And I was so scared, but I knew that I needed to go because I didn't know how to run a business. You know, Mm. yes, my family runs a construction business, but construction and dance have very little in common. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot that they could teach me besides like the basics, you know? So I realized I need to get help. And I went to this conference and I think that was the bigger eye opener for me because I could see, oh, wow, there are people in this room that are running very successful businesses and those businesses aren't necessarily running them. You know, Mm. they're making money, they're spending time with their family, some of their kids are coming, they're bringing nannies with them to these conferences and I'm going, whoa, this is not what my life looks like right now. And I wasn't a mom yet, but I knew eventually I wanted to be a mom. And I just remember thinking to myself, there is no way that I could continue running this business the way that I'm running it and then be a mom because especially as a studio owner, were evenings and weekends. Oh, no kidding. There's yeah, literally exactly. no way possible for me to do both and be good at both of them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I realized things are gonna have to change. So knowing that at some point I will be heading this direction, how do I eventually get there? And I started to gradually make some tweaks. So first I pulled myself out of the dance classroom, but I stayed more in the office, admin, front desk. So it was almost like I started to peel, like you're everything in the business in the beginning. You know, I'm the janitor, I'm the marketer, I'm everything, I'm answering the phones. I started to say, well, what could I take off my plate? And Uh I just kept taking more and more and more off my plate until I was going, okay, it's
1: really time for me to step out and let them do what we've just trained them to do. Love that. For people that are resonating with this story, what are the spotlights into who you hire first and how to hand off those tasks? Yeah. So first, if you're not on board with even hiring somebody yet,
0: because you're thinking, I can't afford it. I don't have time to train. Like the, the best phrase that I've ever heard with when it comes to hiring is if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Mm. And that means you are doing everything in your business that you do not need to be doing. So I think for all of us, it's different who our first hire is because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. There's a couple things. What's going to move the business forward, right? What's actually going to generate income, whether they generate it directly themselves, or they take something off of your plate and allow you to generate more income. Those are two things that I'm going to look at first to say, where can I get the biggest bang for my buck here? Because in the beginning, a lot of us are gambling on, I can't really afford her, but I'm going to hire her anyway because I'm mm. going to get this off my plate. But we need to see that money come back in as fast as possible. Right? So if you can make sure that position is going to bring in money directly or allow you to bring in more money, That's the only way this is going to work without you having a cash flow problem. So Mm -hmm. I would say assess those weaknesses and and what, what you need to be taking off your plate that's going to help you do that.
1: Yeah. And I love the fact that you touched on not only do you look at it in the person that you're bringing in might be able to bring in extra money, but in actual fact, it might be freeing up your time so that you can bring in the extra money. So it's really important to know where your zone of genius is.
0: Yeah. So I'm somebody that's very quick, very efficient. I'm short. Like if you'd send me this long text message, I'm going to respond back with K. Uh, (laughs) You and I are twin (laughs) twin sisters on the other side of the planet. (laughs) I'm just very short and sweet. I am not great in customer service because you might look at that and think, uh, I just spent, you know, 20 minutes sending you this email. And your one letter response is not going to cut it. Now, obviously when I'm in customer service, I'm better than I normally am, but I still might not be what my customers are looking for. Uh So let's say I know that I've got to get somebody in customer service to really give the customer service. I know my customers need and want, then that's perfect. I can outsource that. It's something that is not a very high price point that I need to pay it for payroll, but it could free me up to go to getting back in my zone of genius. Like you said, like I, had to do customer service in the beginning, but it's not my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you can remove those things, it's going to be so helpful for you.
1: Totally, totally. You started this from zero. So you've grown from zero to how many students do you have now? Now we have about a thousand. Wow. So not only do you have a thousand students, but you've also got your coaching clients. What are some of the tips that you can give us around growing that and managing your time. I know that you didn't have children at the start, but there's also a transition where you're scaling and I guess, you you know, your children have come along and I guess we're scaling kind of forever really, aren't we? <laughs> I was just going to say,
0: we're, so this is what I've learned in 17 years. I am kind of like climbing this mountain. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm going, doing the things that I haven't done before. There's a learning curve. And then finally, there's this little breakthrough where you feel like, wow okay, this is what I've been working so hard for. And it, you almost stabilize a little bit where things just feel really good. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting a little bored. I like yes. a challenge and it feels too easy. And I'm like, what else can I take on? And then maybe that's when the second location happened or the online business happened or let's write a book. Let's build, like have a podcast, right? So I really truly agree with you. I think you're right, Samantha. I think we're always scaling. It's just what stage are we in? Are we really actively trying to grow? or are we kind of stabilizing the growth we just
1: have, like just have had before we are ready to go again? Yeah, totally. So right at the beginning stages, when we're, when we're beginning that scaling process, when we're starting to, you know, we've got the money coming in, or we've got some sort of income, we can say, wow, we've got a thing here. We've actually got a thing. How do we then, you know, know how to manage our time or what are some of the tips you can give us to manage our time as we're going through that process? Yeah. So, couple things that we can talk about here is
0: as you're starting to scale and the money is coming in for me one of the best places i can put that money is in building the team mm-hmm. so if if i am you know we're hustling or we're we're burning out a little bit. We can't do this forever, right? All of a sudden there comes a point when it's just, we need a little break, but we don't want the business to take a break. So when you can hire more people on and invest in your team, your business can keep really bringing in revenue while you're maybe slowing down a little bit in whatever season you're in. Mm. So I do think it's crucial that you are building your team because the team is what keeps this business continuing to grow without you having to work all day, every day. Now, I would say the best time management tips that I have really discovered for myself is realizing my to-do list is never going to end. And, Mm -hmm. And even though that sounds so daunting, it makes me understand that all I have to do now is pick how many hours am I gonna work and what days and all of that. So I have boundaries of, I really work between nine and three, Monday through Friday, and I don't work on the weekends. And for me, knowing that yes, there's so much more I could do right now tonight, and I would love to pop open my computer and keep cruising, I know that it's gonna be there tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I think really understanding that you have limited time to work on your business during the day, put it away, recharge, re-energize yourself, do something for you even if it feels like, but I have so much work to do, right? You need to be recharged. Yeah. So that's my biggest thing is people are just go, 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 hustle, 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 and they have no idea that they're the, the work they're putting out there is just not
1: quality because they're so exhausted from what they're doing. And I think just to add on to that, what I found is that the work will always be there. That if you don't put a stop on it, like it'll just, it's almost like Mm -hmm. it'll eat you up. I remember back. So I also had a dance studio. We also had retail dance stores. And I remember back when when my kids are sort of 5 and 5 and 10 we decided that we'd take our first overseas holiday without the children we would take mm-hmm. 3 weeks out of the business and one week before we left the manager of one of our stores quit one week before we left and i remember saying to my husband back then we can't go and he went yes we can like so what things will go wrong we'll come back and we'll know exactly what needs to happen and i've just come back only yesterday into the office after 3 weeks on the road again and I think one of the beautiful learnings that I get from walking away from the business is going, okay, what broke this time? And understanding that something always ah. is going to break. What broke this time? So then yesterday morning, the first thing I did was get on the phone with the team and go, okay, this is what I didn't feel went, this, you know, I felt this didn't go really well. This is what we're working on for the next few weeks. These are the systems that we're implementing. Yeah. We need to have a look at how this works. And I think that that's a really important thing to take note, that things always will break, things will always go wrong, but using it in a positive way and as, as a learning to be able to grow the business and take it to the next yeah. level.
0: Well, right. It's, it's making it stronger when you see like, where are the cracks here? What's happening? So I think it's great for, like you said, getting a way to see how the business is really running. Is it as well oiled of a machine as you thought? And then the other thing is I come up with the best ideas for my business on a personal vacation. Oh, and totally. I'm not talking about a business conference. I mean, you're actually personally going somewhere with your family or your spouse or whoever. And just like the ideas come to me so much more and I come back so refreshed and recharged. So it's really important to take that time away for sure.
1: Absolutely. Because it's not the, it's not the thinking of what we have to do. Oh, how do I, you know, what am I going to talk about here? Or, you know, whatever it is, it just organically drops in out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, wow. And because you're so refreshed or because you're sitting poolside with a cocktail, the conversation is different and it's amazing what can come from those times. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just so
0: good to reward yourself because we work so hard as entrepreneurs. And sometimes we're so good at delayed gratification. Like, oh, I'm just going to put this much more in the business. I'll pay myself later or whatever it is you're, you're telling yourself. But when you pay yourself, when you take the vacation, when you close it at, you know, three o'clock or five o'clock, you're rewarding yourself. And those rewards are truly not optional. It is a required investment in your business and in your personal life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about the transition from being that dance studio owner to deciding that you were going to go into coaching. Now, I know that your dance studios are still running, but at what point did you not think, oh, I might just hang out with my kids at home or, and, oh, I've got this really great idea. Let's run with this. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: So great question. I think we're all built so differently. And for me, being a stay-at-home mom was not something that ever I really ever thought I was going to do. I almost guilted myself into becoming one when I first had my first child because I thought, well, I can't send her to daycare. I'm at home. Why would I not just watch her? So she stayed home with me for the first 18 months, which I almost can't believe I made it that long because it is so (laughs) difficult to try to get work done. And I'm talking about I'm running, you know, these million dollar businesses and I'm also a full-time stay-at-home mom. It was Uh insane. Uh So I realized, you know, everybody's different. And it's okay, I don't have to feel guilty if I like sending her to daycare, and she likes daycare, right? So it took me a little bit to allow that to be our situation. And I always tell people, like, give yourself grace. You do you. Don't think you have to put your kids in daycare or get a nanny. Don't think you have to, vice versa. It just needs to feel good for you and your family, and for us, that worked well. So I think the transition of all of that was, a little bit more of knowing like I was never going to be a stay at home mom. I always wanted to challenge myself and I opened up the second studio because I wanted to challenge. And what I realized was we were such a well oiled machine. It was so easy to create the second studio. I'm talking within a year. We felt really comfortable. It was profitable. And I realized that's not going to solve my challenge problems because I'm going to have to create a new studio every year or two. (laughs) And that did not seem like something I wanted to do. So I started to go, I want to do another business, but I don't know what. Uh And I just kind of let myself be open to the idea of what this could be. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went back to my roots of, I'm going to go learn at a conference and see if something pops up. And I attended a two-day workshop. And that was where it sparked the idea of maybe
1: I could do something like this and coach other, other entrepreneurs. Love that. And that's what you do now. And you have the foot traffic formula, which I'd love to go through because I think this is absolutely fantastic. And this is around bringing people into your business, which is what so many people struggle with. So can you take us through the formula? Yeah, so if you can picture a triangle, I always tell people, the three
0: tiers are touch, traffic, and transaction. And the centerpiece of that triangle is tracking. And I'll just kind of briefly explain one, uh, each little step for you. So touch is what everybody thinks they need first because it's that visibility piece. We want more customers. How can people hear about us? We always want a bigger audience, more social media, all of that. But what I realized is, that piece is really second yes it's the first part of the funnel but if you don't have the actual funnel set up in that traffic piece to capture leads to send them down a funnel to gather, maybe you grab their phone number or whatever that is the traffic piece is really where you start so i I make my clients build their entire funnel before we ever even focus on growing their social media because i want to grow that social media While we're capturing those leads and putting them into this funnel to really convert them, those are the first two pieces that we work through. And then the next piece is transaction. How do we get them to say yes now? In a busy world, very saturated industries, how do we get somebody to say yes right now and commit to us versus thinking, "Huh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll check her out later." You know, maybe I'll come back in in a couple days or a couple months. And unfortunately, you know, when somebody says to me they didn't buy my program, but they said they were going to buy it next time. I'm always like, guys, if you couldn't get them this time, they may not be back next time because something will happen in between them. They'll find a shinier object that they'll, somebody will be a better salesman than you and they'll sell them and they won't mm-hmm. buy your program. So you've got to really commit now. And then the last peak is the tracking. This piece is super important. And it's something that a lot of people just aren't doing well enough. So I always say like, you've got to be the 1% difference in the tracking piece. And that's basically showing how can we tweak every single stage from getting them to be from cold to warm, to hot. So, you know, getting somebody to show up on your social media page or click on your Facebook ad, open that opt-in page, click on your email. Like there's so many steps we make our customers or potential customers do. And we don't even know our numbers. Sometimes I'll ask my clients, well, what's your opt-in rate or what's, What's the conversion on that? If, if seven people walk into your building, how many are going to buy today? Or if you have 50 people on a webinar, how many people will convert or how many people will show up live? And clients will look at me and go, I have no idea. And for me, if we know those numbers, knowledge is power. Yeah. And second of all, if we know them, we can evaluate it. We can go, why did we only get three out of 25 people to take us up on this? What was the reason there? Or, wow, we used to get five out of 25, and now that number's slipping. Or all of a sudden you see, whoa, something increased majorly. Let's evaluate, what did we do this time that we didn't do last time? So really, the tracking piece is so crucial. And I think some of us are just throwing things out there. We're, we're like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it stuck. But mm-hmm. then we don't look to see if the spaghetti, we just threw it at the wall and we walked away, right? Yeah, we, we turned it at the wall. <laughs> no. stop turning your head. Look at the wall and see what stuck and what, what didn't. And we make it better next time. And that's the part that I think, whether people are lazy or they're busy or they make an excuse We're just not doing it at the level we need to, to really scale our business.
1: Or maybe not even understanding what metrics we need to look at, what metrics we need to pay attention to. And I think a lot of time there's fear. I don't know how, I don't know what it means. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just going to stick my head in the sand, not look at it because if I don't know, then it's not there right in front of my face. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the lack of knowledge, we're just
0: undereducated in certain areas and that's okay. I didn't know everything either. I still don't, but I'm going, what do I not know enough of? They say like know enough to be dangerous. Yes, And that's (laughs) my goal, right? Like I need to learn a little bit about Facebook ads to make sure I know enough to catch things. Maybe my team isn't or things like that. So the lack of knowledge of five people jumped on my webinar and three bought, and this is a true story. One of my clients said, I'm gonna scrap this webinar, it's not working. And I was like, three out of five people purchased your program, this is amazing. You yeah. need to scale the visibility and get a hundred people, a thousand people, then you're gonna see true numbers. So you're right, it's like, it's not that she's lazy, or didn't know, she was tracking, but she
1: didn't know what was good enough and where what was successful and not. Absolutely, because that five people showing up and zero people buying, that's what needs a tweak. But three people buying for five, what, that's 60%. That's a 60% conversion and that is massive. I know. And that is what you scale.
0: Yes, and she thought, oh, this isn't working, I'm gonna scrap it. So sometimes just really not knowing can hurt your business in so many ways because when you find your one thing, you gotta keep sticking and commit to it but you won't even know when that one thing is in front of you if you don't know how to track those numbers.
1: I want to talk about that one thing because we're all good at different things. What works for one person doesn't work for another. I'm against cookie cutter systems. I think I'm all for frameworks. I'm all for templates. I'm all for checklists, but I'm against cookie cutter because I think that all of us, operate slightly differently. And I'm a big believer in trial and error to fight, you know, it's almost like a mixing desk, right? We need to make it so that it is, you know, perfect for our ears. You now, what are some things that you can offer us here around finding that one thing? Yeah, that's a great
0: question. So, when we say your one thing, I, I mean it in a couple different ways. I mean, mm-hmm. what's your bestseller? Like, what is the thing that you need to focus on? Um, And then not only that, like, what's your one thing over the next 90 days? And we break it down. What's the one thing this week, the one thing this month, the one thing that you're going to do today, right? So there's a couple ways to know that. And you're right, it's completely different for everybody. I have this post it on my computer that says, what would I like? And what would having that do for me? That is so helpful when you're going I saw this person do this and now I want to do it this way. Or I saw over here, we get so easily distracted. And anytime I get distracted, I ask myself, "Hmm, what would I actually like here? And do I really want that? Like what would that even really do for me? Do I really need that? Right? And I think talking yourself through that step will be helpful because just because you see somebody do a million dollar launch, you might not need a million dollar launch. You might be in a totally different situation. You might be living in a really rural area that is very inexpensive to live in and you're following somebody who lives in California in Beverly Hills whose property taxes are more than your entire mortgage and all of your expenses combined, right? (laughs) Like we all have different goals and needs and wants and it's really easy to get caught up in all of, especially in the online world. There's so many fancy things happening and I need this, I need
1: that do you carry really, gurus do you really doing it? this yeah <laughs> totally yeah. and that's so funny i've actually got i can see on my desk what is it that you want and what do you need to do to get it and I i'm also it. about the one thing so uh yeah. you and i are like a little photocopy <laughs> of each other on other sides of the world <laughs> you were talking before about your traffic and setting up your funnel do you have a certain way that you track your pipeline because i hear a lot of people talking about you know Are your leads falling through the cracks? I know this has happened to every single one of us at some stage, even the people that have got, you know, watertight funnels. At some stage, they did have a problem where these prospects were falling through the gaps. How do you manage your pipeline?
0: Now, this is one of those things where if you've got a software or program you're using and it's working great, don't get shiny object when you hear me explain it. And then they go, I've got to switch to this way. So Mm -hmm. we do a couple things. We use a project management software called Monday.com. Mm -hmm. And every Monday, my team is responsible for specific key performance indicators in their role. And they present those to me every single Monday. So they might be reporting from software like ClickFunnels or ConvertKit or wherever the podcast on Libsyn, you know, they're using tracking that way, but they're presenting it to me in a way that's just easy for me to visually see, are we up? Are we down? What does that look like? And then it's different when it's something just reoccurring every week. We have certain staples or if we're going through a launch. So if we're going through a launch, there's going to be different things that we're looking at and doing, and it might be as simple as a Google spreadsheet. And it's nice because we can all see it. We can color code and do things differently to go, okay, this person needs to be followed up with, or okay, this person said this, let's follow up with her in two weeks. Like we're constantly just engaging that way. But, It really is important and I tell my, my entire team, if somebody asks you a question through email or DMs or anything, let's say they say, hey, Stacey, how does the coaching calls work in Foot Traffic Formula? You just answer it thinking, okay, no problem. I can answer it. But what I'm thinking is she's interested that name needs to be taken and written down somewhere because Mm -hmm. we let so many people fall through the cracks like you just said Mm -hmm. and we need to go back to her and say hey Samantha did you have any more questions or you know is that something that you're interested in and how did that go and we keep these people on a list whether that's in a Google spreadsheet or in monday.com anything for us to be able to follow up like the the last part for us is tracking testing tracking tweaking we need to be following up with these potential customers Because there's so many people that they might've forgot, oh yeah, the cart closes in three
1: days, right? Yeah. So really being proactive has been huge for our team. And also a little piece that I picked up in there is that sometimes people ask a question and it's not actually what they mean. So by someone saying, how do the coaching calls work? They probably don't really need to know how the coaching calls work. What they want is someone to reach out and have a conversation with them.
0: Yeah, and that's a thing too is like, so many of us were so busy during a launch time. So we're just quickly responding. Or when somebody says your podcast is great, you can either say thanks, or you can say, thanks. What do you like about it specifically? Or are there any topics you want me to cover? You're so right. They just want a conversation. They just want to think, wow, she really cares about her clients or her listeners or who fill in the blank. So yes, don't just, you know, when somebody DMs you or emails you, take that as such an
1: opportunity to say thank you and then engage with them to learn more. I love that. So for people that have listened to everything that you've talked about today, how can they stay connected with you? Yeah, so my podcast is called Foot Traffic. And then on social
0: media, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Stacey Tushel. My favorite place is definitely Instagram to hang out with or to hang out in. And then um, you can just find me at stacytushel.com.
1: Thanks so much, Stacey. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. We've talked about so many different topics, but if there was one thing that you could leave our listeners with today that wraps this episode up in a beautiful gift with a beautiful bow on top, what would that be? I would say the key
0: to the, the reality or the dreams that you're looking for is by taking that small, consistent action. It doesn't have to be this massive move the needle project today, but what is something that is really truly going to help you accomplish your one thing and little by little, just keep moving forward and you will get there. Like It is an absolute
1: guarantee you will get there if you keep taking action. You absolutely will. Thank you so much, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been fun discover how to grow and scale your thought leaders business check out samanthariley.global head over to facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the thought leaders business lab community